This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. By the book on BFM 89.9. Hello, everyone. You're listening to By the Book with me, Sharmila, and my fellow lover of historical fiction, Lee Chui Lin. Hello. So today we have with us award-winning author and, of course, uh, a Malaysian author that we are very proud of, Tan Tuan Ng. Uh, good to have you with us, Tuan Ng. Hello, good good to be back. I remember our previous uh, interview was yes. so much fun. Well, that was also because your movie, the movie based on your book the had movie, just come yes. out. Yes. So okay. today we're quite excited because Tuan Eng's third novel, um, long awaited in fact, has just come out. It's called The House of Doors. And um, it's uh, on a very interesting premise of taking um, a number of real life characters, including writer Somerset Mom, as well as Sun Yat-sen. Um, and we Weaving it into this fictionalized story that takes place in Penang. So, Thwaning, um, you know, as I said, the novel hinges actually on three main historical figures: um, Mom um, and his visit to an old friend in Penang, Sun Yat-sen, his activities in Malaya, as well as the trial of Ethel Proudlock. Oh, um, that's right. Uh, so, tell us about your interest in these figures. What drew you to wanting to tell the story well, through these lenses? Well, it starts with uh, Dr. Sun Yat-sen because, um, you know, his, his headquarters was in Armenian Street in Penang in the 1910s. And my father grew up in Armenian Street in the 1950s. In the, uh, and he, as a kid, he, when I was a child, he was always telling us, oh, you know, who was my neighbor? Who was my neighbor? Is Dr. Sun Yat-sen. Uh, but I had no idea who Dr. Sun Yat-sen was at age nine or 10. It was only much later in, when I was studying history at A-levels that I discovered who Dr. Sun Yat-sen was. And I found it very interesting that this great global event, you know, the whole, he basically brought down a 2,000-year-old monarchy in China and replaced it with a Republican government. And it all was planned in this little shop house in Armenian Street in 1910. That was interesting and, and uh, intriguing for me. That was one of the, the starts of the of, of the um, my novel. Uh, with Somerset Maugham as well, I first read his letter, his short story, The Letter, which he based it on the murder trial of Ethel Proudlock. And it was, I was fascinated by the fact that it was based on a real trial which had happened in Kuala Lumpur. So that's how, that was my introduction to uh, Somerset Maugham. And I wanted to bring all these elements together in, in a book. And was it challenging to fictionalize people who are as well known as Somerset Mom and Sun Yat Sen? How much liberty did you feel you could take with that? It was very, very hard because uh, a lot of friends have, have uh, remarked that, oh, it must be so easy because all you have to do is just write down what they would like and just <laughs> basically transcribe their personality and their actions to the page. But it was much harder because the the progression of the plot, you can't do you can't move the plot in, in ways that weren't true to their character and, and their personalities. I had to be, I felt really constricted writing about these real life characters. I had to be authentic and accurate and also respectful to, to them. It was, it was much nicer to write about fictional characters like uh, Leslie uh, Hamlin, one, one of the main characters in the book, because I had more uh, freedom to write about her. So um, it's writing about real life, people, uh, it's not something I, I enjoy doing. 
Well, speaking of that, um, I always feel like when I read uh, uh, any novel and then if I look at the back and there are these numerous references, that's a little bit of a clue that a lot of research went into um, telling the story in that book. And this certainly feels like a heavily researched novel, whether because it's um, the real people who, who you come across or even the spaces and the places and the events that you're writing about. Um, tell us about the research that went into this. Well, it, it was very extensive. Uh, when I started this novel, I, I assumed that it would be easy to write and there would be minimal research to do because uh, it's not as uh, heavily uh, historically dense with facts as another book I had been planning to write. So this was a sort of, I thought this would be a sort of a, a, a busman's holiday. I, would, I could dash it out within a year. But uh, the more I started writing, the more I discovered that there were so many things I didn't know, and I had to really do a lot of research. To f- and the worst thing was was difficult finding materials um, to to uh, research upon. For example, the uh, the trial of Ethel Proudlock. I was looking high and low for um, the uh, the transcripts of the trial. Uh, couldn't find it in Malaysia. Couldn't find it in Kuala Lumpur at the archives. My experiences there, I. I shan't relate. (laughs) (laughs) Eventually, I've discovered there were two places where they they kept the transcripts. And one was in uh, the the National Archives in Kew. I wasn't going to fly there. And the other place was the National Archives of Singapore. So Singapore was much nearer. So I went there and uh, they were extremely helpful, extremely friendly, uh, so knowledgeable and so welcoming. uh, And... uh, it was such a pleasure to to do research there, and that's that's part of the thing. Uh, but with all the research, I've tried to to make it to wear it lightly in the book, so that it doesn't the book doesn't feel bogged down by by me showing off all my research and look at this, look at this, look at what I've done. I spent three weeks on this, so you better read this. No, I hope it's not like that. <laughs> so. Um- Similar in some ways to uh, The Garden of the Evening Mists, the title of this novel refers to a very particular setting that has um, specific feelings and memories attached to it. There is, in fact, a very lovely introduction to the House of Doors itself. Um, How did this image of a house filled with doors come to you? Why did you decide to use it as a central theme? Because I had spent so, so many years going to Georgetown and then walking the streets there and the doors of those old shop houses, as you as you're aware, are, are very beautiful. Uh, very, they're full of character, uh, and it always pained me to see them when when the, uh, a shop house was being torn down or wasn't looked after. It looked so terrible uh, and so shabby. Walking those streets, I always wondered what about the stories that lay behind those doors inside those houses. And so, when I was writing this book, the the idea came to me that I can actually uh, save these doors in my own way and put them all together in in this house of doors uh, to sort of uh, uh, memorialize them, I suppose. The novel itself actually takes place within several different several different timelines. So time is actually really important because it sort of veers from period to period and uh, one flows into the other, sometimes quite seamlessly as well. What interested you in this structure? 
Uh, only sometimes seamlessly. I thought all the time seamlessly. <laughs> well, in sometimes, sometimes actually, I found that um, I had to remind myself um, where uh, we were because there's flashback within yeah. flashback as well. Yes. Well, the the problem was the the first few drafts of the manuscript uh, confused uh, most of my first readers. They had no idea when it was or where the, where they were where the the scenes were, and stubbornly I refused to put chapter headings, you know, the location and the time, because to me, it felt like always like a Tom Cruise film, you know, <laughs> uh, Pentagon, 2.45 a.m., June. I, I didn't like that. Uh, and it took a lot of convincing, but finally my editor said, look, you have to do this because it, it makes things clearer. And so reluctantly, I agreed. And to my surprise, he was right. <laughs> Everything became suddenly so much clearer, uh, even to myself. So that that's the because of the, there were so many uh, time frames happening at once. I think the reader needs a bit of help. Uh, it, it's not like with the um, with Garden of Evening Mist, where the present day was I wrote it in the present tense and the past was in the in the past tense. But here I couldn't do that. So yes, a lot of uh, different time frames. We've tried to do the. Uh, the transitions of the scenes uh, to be as seamless as possible to to have sort of relevance and resonance between one scene and the next. When we move from one scene to the next, there has to be a, some sort of a, a connection, emotional or factual connections. So we worked very hard uh, on on trying to make that um, seamless. <laughs> How did you play with the notion of memory? Because, of course, part of the having different timelines is having people narrate their memories, whether you find, uh, whether you think they're telling you the whole truth or not, whether you think they remember everything fully or not. How did you play around with that when you were writing? Well, it was it was great fun. Uh, it starts actually with my, my father as well, you know, when he told us that, Oh, who my neighbor, our neighbor used to be Dr. Sina said he was wrong, first of all. He wasn't <laughs> next door to the house. The house was you know, about six, eight, or ten doors away. So already that that the 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 uh, his memory was already glamorizing events of the past to, to suit him to make to make him look more interesting. <laughs> and I think we all do that, you know, when we, we sort of replay our memories to make us look better. When we retell it to somebody else, we always do that. You know, I said that to him. You know, when he, and we never do that. It, uh, <laughs> so with 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 this thing, uh, with with this book, uh, even with the the epigraph itself already, I had Somerset Maugham saying, um, "Fact and fiction are so intermingled mm. that now I don't even know which is which," and that was the whole theme of the book as well. To with with Leslie as well. She she's got her own memories to look back upon, and of course she 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 uh, modifies them to make to to justify many things to herself. Um, Somerset Maugham as well. So everybody in in the book is actually uh, um, uh, shifting their memories, and I think the only character in there who's actually true and honest all the way through is is Gerald Haxton, the um, Somerset Maugham's um, secretary come lover uh, a lot of people have told me they don't like Gerald Hexton they find him unpleasant and he's such a, a, a scoundrel but to me he, he's I think he's the most true to himself of everyone mm. there he's the happiest as, as well he's the most happy of all the characters <laughs> that's yeah, very true seriously. yes yeah he, yep. he does what he wants 
He doesn't care what other people think of him. He doesn't as pretend as he's, he's anything he, other than what he is. He doesn't pretend. Yes, yeah. yes. And he's so free. Whereas with the other characters, they're all lying and pretending and putting masks on and being terribly unhappy. Gerald is just living life the way he wants it to be. <laughs> we'll be back after this to uh, discuss more, particularly about the characters in the book. With Tan Tuan Eng, we're talking about his latest novel, The House of Doors. Let us know. Have you read it? Do you plan to? You can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. Books, figurines, movies. BFM. 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. You're listening to Buy the Book with Sharmila and Lynn. And today we're joined by writer Tan Thuan Ng. And we're talking about his latest book, The House of Doors. So Thuan Ng, um, before the break, you referenced Leslie Hamlin. Um, and it is really quite interesting that all these different threads, whether um, Somerset Mom or Sun Yat-sen, um, they're presented to, to us through the lens of this British woman raised in Penang, Leslie how did you get under the skin of this character? Well, it's it's very it was very difficult because uh, I discovered writing about women in the early twentieth uh, um, century was very hard in terms of uh, shifting the plot as well. Uh, you know, it, it, in many ways, they had they were so restricted in their lives they they couldn't go where they wanted to, they couldn't do the things they wanted or the jobs they wanted. Uh, I just had to write about a very repressed, unhappy, and unhappily married woman uh, who who had to uh, subsume her, her personality. Uh, I found that quite easy to write about. What I found difficult was moving the plot. For instance, when I, I, I couldn't have her going around the whole country on her own whenever she wanted to because it was, wasn't seemly. Um, for example, there's a scene in, in the book where she... Uh, wanted to go to Kuala Lumpur and stay in a hotel by herself. And the husband said, you can't do that. You you can't go alone into a hotel. And when she does do that and she checks in at the counter, she feels like she's committing some awful crime and that she feels that everyone's looking at her. This single woman checking into a hotel, what's she doing there? Um, so that, that, was, uh, that was a difficult part about writing um, Leslie. The other thing was that I... You know, the, after readers have finished reading The House of Doors, I hope they go and read Somerset Maugham's short story, The Letter, because in many ways, the, the letter is a sort of a, a, a mirror of The House of Doors. It's, uh, it's, it's the book, it's the, short, it's the story that Somerset Maugham uh, was inspired to write about after he, he stayed with Leslie and her husband in Penang. So everything that's in The House of Doors is actually woven into uh, the letter as well and vice versa. They're like mirrors reflecting each other. So the slightest change in your perception of what The House of Doors was will change how you read the letter. And the slightest change in, in reading the letter will reflect back on The House of Doors and make you uh, uh, see the book in a slightly different way. So they, they, they're constantly shifting Actually, on that point, I was curious about whether you intended this book to be for people who are already familiar with Mom's works, um, or do you think they'd work equally well for someone who has no attachment to Mom at all? It works well for both because I've tried to uh, 
weave a lot of his life and his uh, philosophy and um, certain words he was fond of using into the book. It it and to create a fully fledged and living character in Mom, so that the reader who doesn't know much about him can still appreciate and enjoy the novel. But for the reader who is a who has read many of Somerset Mom's works, there's an added uh, richness and awareness to a uh, sort of resonance to what he's reading. And uh, it's, uh, I think somebody who's, who's, who's aware of Mom will, will appreciate it even more than the uh, non-Mom fans. It's been quite interesting looking at the chatter on social media about how many people have been uh, encouraged to go and seek out Somerset Mom's works after they finished reading The House of Dogs, because now they're more interested in um, his works and his, and his life. Um, Somerset Maugham, uh, one of the reviewers in The Guardian who reviewed The House of Doors said a very interesting line about Somerset Maugham. He said, Somerset Maugham, a writer who is out of fashion, but never out of print. And I thought that was such a very true um, sentence there. I'm so glad you brought this up because um, earlier you mentioned not particularly enjoying writing about historical figures. Um, but I wondered if there was fun to be had as an author yourself writing about a writer at a very particular moment in his creative and crucially also his financial life. Oh, yes. Uh, a lot of his frustrations are, are mine as well uh, in terms <laughs> of uh, uh, um, having to deal with a naughty problem in, in the writing process or dealing with um, readers or fans who uh, are very demanding and they they want a lot of things from you. Uh, they feel that just because they've, they've read your book, they own a piece of you. In the last few years, I've experienced more and more of that. It's quite disturbing, um, especially with, with social media. Uh, now, I have a, a, an official Facebook page and Instagram, but I, I don't reply there because I made a mistake early in my early on in saying something and then it just attracts a lot of very uh, strange and eccentric people. So we have a policy now that we don't respond to to anything there. Um, it, it's disturbing, especially um, when 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 we were doing the promotion for the film, you know, in 2019 and 2020. Uh, after that, that just worsened even more. That uh, people I haven't heard from in 15, 10, 15, 20 years suddenly are desperate to get in touch and say they, they and they, they always want something. They never say, I want to get in touch with you. I want to give you a check for 100,000 ringgit. No, that, that's <laughs> never happened. <laughs> so, so it's, it's, it's uh, yeah. And I think Somerset Maugham faced a lot of that because, you know, he, he lived a very long life and um, he was, he, he had a lot of fans and he traveled everywhere. So he got very tired of all the constant uh, um, uh, demands for his attention all the time. So one aspect of Mom that comes through quite clearly in the novel is his tendency to mine real life for his stories quite significantly, in fact. Um, is this something you identify with, the tendency to pick up on things that you see in people around you or things that happen around you and put them in your books? Um, not really, because I, I tend to pick up interesting points from my reading, especially in, 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 in the footnotes of books. If I'm doing research on a particular subject, it's very often in the footnotes that I find interesting facts that I can work into the book. Um, with, with real life people around me, uh, no, I haven't. Maybe because I just hang out with a lot of very uh, uninteresting people. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, I guess we'll have to just leave <laughs> that there. His Instagram page is now going to be flooded yeah. with nasty yeah. comments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, we, we've made it clear that the story is set at uh, a few particular points in history. And because of that, um, it is primarily concerned with the stories of a few different British people. But there are many allusions to the privileges um, and even yes. outright racism that they displayed over yes. local Malaysians. How did you approach capturing the realities of that era in, in the book? With a lot of, uh, I I wanted to be accurate. I wanted to be to reflect the society as it was, without, but also without uh, uh, shoehorning our present day uh, values or, or trends into that book, because then it would make the book um, inauthentic. It would sound jarring. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't immerse the reader in the experience if we were to to impose today's political values onto history, especially that something that's almost a hundred years ago. So I intentionally use a lot of loaded words in there, which um, <clears throat> my American publishers weren't too comfortable with. Mm, a bit said, triggering you know, this, this at some like, points, I must say. Yeah, um, yes, it yes, took some yes, time yes. to slip into it. Good, good. That's <laughs> right. And I told them, I'm glad you feel uncomfortable because they are, these words are meant to make you feel uncomfortable. If you don't feel uncomfortable, then I despair of you. <laughs> So they they saw the point of that. You know, I use a word like Chinaman, which and it Chinaman, a coolie. And that's how people spoke in those days. And a lot of Baum's earlier works as well. I intentionally use a lot of those descriptions that he used, like Chinaman for one, and coolie as well. And there are worse words that he used, which I decided, okay, it's not relevant or necessary. So these are the two words. And if you notice, the sharp reader will notice that Leslie starts off the novel by referring to the locals very uh, with some sort of disparaging uh, attitude. But you know that after a certain point, her attitude changes and she never uses those words again. If you, other people are you still using, but she, she doesn't. And she makes it a point to use, you know, to, to stop using all these terms. Um, the sharp-eyed reader will see that. And that's to show her, her progression and development as, as a character as well after certain events, um, change her, her outlook and her, her experience of life. You mentioned earlier um, that you had initially thought you were going to complete this quickly and work on something else. So I'm going to close off by asking, what's next for you? Do you have others uh, that oh, are in the back burner? I have. Oh, yes, yes, I have. But I'm not going to say it because I know people <laughs> steal ideas. <laughs> so I'm often, always very close mouth about well, I've seen it happen uh, I've seen writer friends who blab about stuff they're writing at, at, uh, at social events and then after that somebody else has taken the idea and, <laughs> and, and written a book about it so yeah it's <laughs> so fair to say many things on the back burner none of which you'll tell us about is that it? many things on the back burner but I haven't been able to do any writing since la middle of last year and this year because Last year, I started reading uh, 135 books for the International Booker Judging. Oh, yes. So, we, yeah, we started in September and we had to finish by about March. 135 novels, uh, translated fiction. So, I, uh, there was almost a book a day. Uh, couldn't do any writing. And this year has been quite crazy as well with the promotion of the House of Doors. So, mm. it's, there's no writing this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Puaning, thank you for taking the time to speak to us, though. 
No, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you all again in KL very soon. Yes, yes. You are on your way very, very soon for your book tour yeah. here. So um, we'll be yes. looking out for that. Um, we have been speaking with Tan Tuan Eng about his latest novel, The House of Doors, currently out in bookstores. Let us know. Have you read it? Do you plan to? You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. brings us to footnotes where as always we're going to close off with a review of uh, The House of Doors by Tan Tuan Eng. Actually this for me was an interesting read because I I haven't been the biggest fan of The Garden of the Evening Mists. I found it a really good read but I often found it a little bit slow for my liking Um, and I'd gone into this novel expecting it to have the same sort of languid pace but actually House of Doors moves along at a really rapid clip and I think that's because of the switching between the different timelines right? Um, And despite the fact that there are so many characters and historical fiction does tend to have this air of being bogged down in details. This book actually speeds along. Um, And that was something I was quite surprised by. I'm interested that you started with that because I thought that what we could do is uh, lay out our Somerset mom um, kind of cred because you asked that question in the interview yes. uh, with Tuan Ing and I think it's relevant. So I love Somerset Mom um, of Human Bondage is one of my all-time favourite novels. I, I think that he is a very interesting writer who who is increasingly problematic over the years, um, whose characters have never specialised at being likeable, but but I've always really enjoyed him. Whereas you haven't read much, Mom. Actually, I probably haven't read any. I've read a couple of short stories here and there, but I know more and more as a personality. So I know his life. Um, I know his stint here. Um, and obviously, anytime a, a significant writer has spent time in this region, there yeah. tends to be a lot of uh, kind of celebration of that fact. So I know all of that. But yeah, not much of a reader of his work. So we both come at this novel from very different places. And I think that might also be why our experiences of the novel are quite different. Yes, I, I bring it up first, um, not to say I've read it, um, but more because when I first saw the blurb for House of Doors, well, firstly, I, I you know, we knew that we were going to be speaking to Tuan Ng, So I'm like, OK, cool. There's a new book. Uh, but also, I didn't know what it was going to be about until I actually read the description. And then I was quite thrilled because, uh, you know, the notion of reading about mom's jaunt um, around around Asia, but particularly around Malaya, um, was very appealing to me. I think that the, I agree with you, the structure of the story and the fact that we have different stories to engage with some of the, the themes that we talked about, so issues of money and class and repression and all these things, um, race also actually, to a very large degree. The fact that you have different lenses through which to view it allows the story to move along, yes, um, but also offer different perspectives, which I think is important because ultimately um, ultimately, it is a sort of colonial era book. And so a lot of the perspectives are colonialist um, and you you need a bit of breathing space in order to interrogate that a little bit, which the changing perspectives and the introduction of like a, a, a figure like Sun Yat-sen 
gives you the space to do? Well, I definitely want to read the letter after this because I haven't read it. And in fact, my favorite aspect of the House of Doors is the Ethel Prout log trial. Um, the way it's written and how it unfolds across the book, interspersed with other events, um, was very, very exciting. It makes you want to know, even till the very end, you're not quite sure what happened with it, right? Bits and pieces come out. I definitely want to read the letter. But I will say that that colonious, a colonialist uh, perspective was something and, and I'm glad Thuan Eng talked about it earlier in the interview as well because for the first couple of chapters I was a little bit am I supposed to identify with this lens or is this book taking a more interrogative approach to it because certainly the way because all the characters are British and because all the characters are British upper class at a particular era well not all the characters but all the characters with uh, point of view chapters with points of views um it can get a bit much, lah. Um, mm. You know, the first couple of chapters, I was almost kind of angry at having to sit with these characters and the way they talked about Malayans and locals and quote-unquote natives. Um, but as the book went by, I think it becomes clearer that it is both a criticism of that perspective as well as a, a sort of expansion of what it means to live in that world. And then it kind of starts making a, more sense. Yeah, uh, and, and that was something that I think becomes very clear because of the, the playing with time and perspective. So you get to shuttle back and forth between a younger Leslie and a much older Leslie looking back on um, how she saw things, but also looking back on how she saw things because of who her family was, because of who her husband was, because of all these different things. Um, I'd like to talk about the characters a bit. Did you find them interesting? I found them interesting without necessarily finding them terribly distinct, which I think maybe is a little bit of a challenge because of the shifting. So it, 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 it's, it sort of does two things, right? The shifting between time keeps it going, but it also means sometimes I'm in the middle of a chapter and I forget who I'm reading. Mm, um, I confess I needed the Pentagon, <laughs> you know, kind of. <laughs> the Tom Cruise-ness. The, the Tom Cruise-ness, yes, a little bit, because it, it was helpful for me uh, to be reminded of whether at this point in time, Leslie was or was not married. Yes, so not just yeah. who you're reading, but who you're reading at which point in their in life. In their life, yeah. uh, because that really matters. And I think that this is true of historical fiction that spans decades in general. The privilege of it is that you get to watch people age uh, and you get to see how they change and, and how the how the way they've lived informs the way they look back on their lives, which is a fun thing to be able to do, right? The benefit of hindsight and all that. Um, but having that timestamp made it clear exactly what it was that, where it was that I, I happened to be in the story. Um, I think that for me, ultimately, the, the blending of the three main historical figures or events was effective. Um, there, and having it blended in the form of one person being the nexus through which they all met was interesting. It was also tremendously interesting because all this is happening in a space that I'm familiar with, right? Yeah. Like Penang. Armenian Street. Uh, Armenian Street. So it's actually very... Um, it's exciting for someone who is Malaysian to read about these outsized, larger-than-life characters like Mom or Sun Yat-sen, um, you know, in Penang and what might it have been like. So there is a certain amount of excitement. I can already see this making a great film, to yeah. be honest. Like, I can see it. I can see frames in my head shot in Penang, um, you know, at that era. Um, I think I think part of that, though, is then, um, and, and I don't 
I, I don't deny that this is a tricky balance to strike for someone like Tuan Eng who's writing in an international space. A part of that, though, is sometimes like, I don't know if I need an explanation for what Chendol is, mm. you know? Um, and because he's writing not just for a Malaysian audience, but also an international audience, I think that's inevitable. Um, stuff that is already familiar to you, sometimes you get a bit of a reintroduction to it. And maybe as a Malaysian reader, I didn't need that so much. But yes, overall, I thought it came together very well. I think that that's always going to be difficult. We we ask this question of almost every Malaysian author writing internationally who comes by our show because it, it's it's... It's something that I think everybody has to negotiate, right? And particularly depending on how wide the reach of your your books are. I agree that this is a movie, limited run series. Um, It's very evocative in a number of ways. Yeah, Yeah. Um, It's very evocative in a way that I think uh, readers of Tuan Ng will be accustomed to. So yeah, I'm quite intrigued actually to see how many people pick it up and then graduate or progress into reading mom and seeing the these unfashionable sorts of parallels. Mom. Yes, I mean, he is unfashionable. This is just true. Let us know. Have you read uh, The House of Doors by Tan Tuan Eng? Uh, are you going to? You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us at buythebook at bfm.my. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.